This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 196 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Hands on Gloves, the all-in-one, revolutionary bathing grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today we have some rock stars, some new, some been around. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I always have my producer, Jen, with me today. How are you? Well, you have me most of the time when Glenn's not here. That's true. <laughs> I know. Only, only when you get to go do something fun do I not get you. So I'm glad well, to have you today for this work. Every so often, I go out and do something away from the house. Every so often. Every so often. And... Every so often, you get to go away from the house, too. Have you been able to go out and do anything fun with your friends and your your horsey friends lately? Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? We're having so much fun right now. Um, We talked on the last show about the quick trip to Eugene, uh, but that actually has caused an explosion of stuff that we're doing on the farm right now, too, because all the things I learned. So, yeah, we're going to be talking a little bit more about it in episode 197. (gasps) So there's exciting (laughs) new things happening in Flag of the Farm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got got to put something in that you'll find out all about in 197, I think, at least to start. And then today, you know, we're exploring different supplements and things that we're looking at that are, I think, the future of horsemanship. And so um, we're going to be talking about hemp today. And it's a it's a pretty, um, you know, it's just an all in one product that's super sustainable. I hate all those buzzwords and everything. I sound like I'm talking about the environment or something, but it really is one of those holistic products, not just a byproduct. The whole thing is useful. And I think it's good for horses. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And I had dad come in and we sat down, we were doing, we're preparing for a uni lesson, actually our Monty Roberts university. And, um, you know, I love sitting him down and saying, tell me about this bit or tell me about this tack and tell me why you did this and that. And every once in a while, I have my phone close enough by to turn on the recorder. <laughs> and we did that. And he just held his snaffle bit in his hand. You know, actually, Jamie Jennings, the host of Horses in the Morning, uh, actually requested this be done. She said, could you tell y- your dad to talk to people? Because I tell him about the snaffle all the time, and I'm sure I miss a lot of elements of it. But she said, tell, tell him to talk into the recorder and tell us all the different aspects of the snaffle and why it works so darn well. And so I did that, which he goes back into a little history about it too. And and he talks a little bit about some of the other bits that are extensions after the snaffle, you know, after the snaffle. That's awesome. I love it. Geeking out on snaffle bits. Who doesn't love that, right? I I do. I love geeking out on equipment. I don't know if other people care about tax so much, but I just think that when you watch your horse carefully and you notice that a, a piece of tack works really well in this horse and doesn't always work as well in that horse, and then you find a piece of tack that seems to work for everybody, that you think, okay, what are the elements? What are we dealing with here? And it's sweet iron, it's copper, it's all these things that are maybe counterintuitive to people like who want to. You know, stainless steel is so pretty, you know, but horses don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> horses, horses go like it's cold and meh, nasty. <laughs> so <laughs> that's just in the mouth. But, you know, there's all kinds of tack. And, and, but today will be about what goes in and around the head. 
There we go. Cool stuff. And before we do that, we have to hear about the hands-on gloves, all-in-one revolutionary bathing grooming gloves, because this show is sponsored by Hands-On Gloves. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts. And am I excited to bring you the news of a revolutionary, new, all-in-one, shedding, bathing, grooming tool. Hands-on gloves. They are fantastic. And you believe me, I've tried them all. Hands-on outperforms traditional curry combs, shedding blades, metal bristles, and all those things. Most animals will gravitate to you for more grooming and petting time. If you wear them, your animals will love you more for it. While using the hands-on gloves, you can easily handle water hoses, shampoo bottles, lead ropes, leashes, and anything you want with them on your hands. They are easy to clean, and they massage muscles and stimulate circulation, while helping to distribute natural oils for a healthy skin and coat. Hands-on is changing the way we bathe, de-shed, and groom our animals forever. Hands-on gloves. They are fantastic. Monty Roberts first gained widespread fame with the release of his New York Times bestselling book, The Man Who Listens to Horses. It's a chronicle of his life and the development of his nonviolent horse training methods called Join Up. Monty grew up on a working horse farm as firsthand witness to traditional, often violent methods of horse training and breaking the spirit with an abusive hand. Rejecting that, he went on to win 11 World's Championships in the show ring. Today, Monty's goal is to share his message that violence is never the answer. Roberts has been encouraged by Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II with an award of the membership in the Royal Victorian Order, as well as becoming a patron of Join Up International. She did several years ago. Other honors that Monty received were the ASPCA Founders Award and the FEI's Man of the Year. Monty was named Horse and Hound Magazine's Top 50 Horsemen of All Time and is credited with launching the first of its kind Equus Online University, an interactive online lesson site to teaching violence-free training. Monty Roberts now on the best features of a Snaffle Bit and why. All right, I have a rare opportunity here uh, to get inside the brain of Monty. Good morning, Dad. Good morning. I'm happy to talk to you today about design. We've been talking about the why that you do things. And um, then, of course, there's always those extrinsic moments. There are those pieces of equipment that you use consistently around the world. And probably more obvious is your lack of using equipment. There's very few things that you really uh, tell us that this is your design and very purposefully use in different ways. And you've got your snaffle in your hand, I see. Yeah, and I I tell you that all of us have uh, favorite ways to go and we might be slightly different from one another. But I have to say that the design of my snaffle bits is the proudest change that I've made from the normal snaffle bit that you will see around the world. And we'll try to describe that for you today. Yeah. So I see in your hand you've got, uh, well, it's definitely black iron, but it is that is the mouthpiece, and you have stainless steel rings with your fingers through it. So 
If uh, you had to describe a snaffle bit in a traditional sense, it's broken in the middle in this case, and but it's not quite in the middle, is it? No, it's not quite in the middle. And uh, to be honest with you, the first time <clears throat> that the builders of my snaffle bit sent one back, I thought it was a mistake because one side is a little shorter than the other side. And I want it to break in the middle. Well, the only way you can get a snaffle bit to break in the middle because of the looping factor at the center of it is to make one side a little shorter than the other. Um, one side has a lesser distance to travel in the mouth of the horse than the other. So that's a unique feature. 99% of all the snaffle bits commercially produced have mouthpieces that are the same length one to the other, which then doesn't allow them to break in the center of the horse's mouth. So they're slightly offset. And I prefer the center of the horse's mouth. So there's a trivia question for you when you go into a tech uh, shop. So um, I noticed, too, that where the mouthpiece meets the ring, you have a particular type of fit on that. What is that? Yeah, that's called a modified egg butt. And an egg butt just means that that part that touches the corners of the horse's mouth looks a little bit like an egg. And um, you will see snaffle bits hanging on the walls of the tack shops with a great big, almost full-sized egg. Mine is uh, maybe a third of that size. But what it does is that it produces a flat surface to reach to the corners of the horse's mouth so that when you pull one rein or the other, the bit doesn't pull through to the corner and jam down on a small mouthpiece. It has a blunt uh, 90% 90 degree elevation uh, up and down from the corner of the horse's mouth. It's a little hard to describe, but if you get one of them or if you see a picture of one of them, you'll see what I mean about giving the horse a blunt surface at the corner of their mouth rather than just two bars joining together and it pulls into the corner of the mouth, creating oftentimes significant sores in the corner of the horse's mouth. Uh, what would you say to somebody who says full cheek? There's this not a full cheek snaffle, and why is that? Well, a full cheek snaffle uh, would mean that it has it has a snaffle mouthpiece, but an up and down cheek joining it, so that you have leverage in the horse's mouth. And that's not what we're after in the early stages of training a horse. Or in fact, if you're just brushing up and doing some things with a horse that's eight or nine years old, you might put a snaffle. I often ride my horses in a snaffle uh, right up to the teenage years once in a while. And you can use a full-on adult bit, if you will call it that, <clears throat> with a cheek piece. Uh, for those horses that have been trained for, let's say, more than a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's an important point that you just said. What cases do you find yourself putting a snaffle 
bit back in the mouth of a nearly fully trained horse? Well, when you have a cheek that yields pressure to the horse's mouth when you pull the rein, um, let's say the horse starts showing you that he's frightened of something. I can think of a time when uh, we had a pig and the pig was in the pen next to the arena there. I don't know why we had the pig, but we had the pig for some reason. And the smell of the pig and the sound of the pig and the sight of the pig was frightening to a lot of horses that were older. So they would bolt away, you know, and you're trying to get them used to the pig and have them travel past the pig's pen without all that trauma. And um, if you have cheeks on it, you're going to be pulling the horse around with a lot of pressure on their mouth that they really don't deserve. So the snaffle bit is a good way to go just to guide them without pressure on their mouth and save those tender nerves in there to be a light mouth, one that responds to the cheek bit um, with just a touch. So the snaffle, in my opinion, stays with me for a lot of years uh, with any horse that I ride and count on uh, because it, it saves the nerves of the horse's mouth. Yeah, beautiful. So there's a very important part that you taught us about with every horse that's an advantage, and that's the copper inlay that you have down in that black iron bit. Yes. First of all, when I was a child, um, I had to clean all the bits. And they came back from the Second World War with... uh, these cavalry bits that were stainless steel. And as a child, I thought, oh man, this is terrific. Uh, Stainless steel doesn't get rusty and everything. Um, And it's easier to clean. So this is gonna be good. And then I noticed a downturn in the behavior of the horses with a stainless steel bit in their mouth. They didn't like it. It's colder. It's more unforgiving, um, where the rusty bit, they like it. It's warmer, it's forgiving, and it's much more tolerable in the horse's mouth. So, yes, you see my bit that I designed in black iron. And I must tell you that I believe I led the world in putting snaffle bits in horses' mouths with black iron again in, let's say, the 50s. And I watched as they created a thing called the snaffle bit futurity for the Western horses. And first you saw three out of 50 horses with the black iron. And then you saw 10, and then 20, and then 30. And now you just don't see a stainless steel snaffle bit in the horse's mouths at the snaffle bit futurity. They will, virtually every bit will be uh, rusty. And so I put a stainless steel ring on the outside so that any judge looking at it or it looks nicer because it's clean and everything. But in their mouth, you'll see they get what they want. And that's a rusty bit, Um, softer, more yielding kind of metal 
than the stainless steel is. So the stainless steel is for people and the black irons for the horse. You could say that, yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, and saliva is super important, moisture in the horse's mouth. Yeah, if you think about it, I mean, if we put something in our mouth that is just dry and, and tends to irritate the mouth, we don't like it so much. If we have moisture in our mouth, anything that we put in there will be better invited to be in the mouth than without moisture in the mouth. Moisture in the mouth is critically important. It it helps the bars stay lubricated so that the bit glides over the bars and doesn't pull into the skin that's dry. So you want moisture in there. Now, how do you get moisture in that horse's mouth? You could take a squeeze bottle and put it in about every two or three minutes and that would be ridiculous. But if you put a bit of copper inlaid so that there's no change in the diameter of your mouthpiece, it's smooth, nice and smooth, beautifully inlaid copper, the copper will generate moisture in the horse's mouth. Copper just does. For some reason, our body says send moisture when it tastes or feels copper. So it's the same with humans as it is with horses. And uh, so I have rings. The bit that I'm holding here has three copper rings on each side or six copper rings in the distance from the left side of the horse's mouth to the right side of the horse's mouth. You'll also notice if you look downward on my design bit that the bit mouthpiece itself is slightly curved. And it's slightly curved, if you'll notice, commensurate with the diameter of the lower mandibles or the joint, the bone of the horse's lower jaw. And so it rides over that jaw more comfortably than one that's straight, a straight snaffle, uh, straight across the horse's mouth. And yet you go into the tack shops and you will see straight snaffles straight across the horse's mouth with no curvature at all, one after another. Um, it's, it's getting a little better and they, they do give you choices now. But making the right choice is, is the critical thing here. And uh, I've designed a bit that I think is the epitome of a snaffle bit. And I, I've designed a lot of different things for horses and the training of horses. Um, the horses that won't go in the starting gate get a come along on. Uh, I only use that with students of mine um, that have already been trained on it because it's, it's something you want to be very careful for. But I've designed uh, things about saddles that are better for me than most. And quite a few things, naturally, when you start showing horses in competition when you're four years of age, and as we speak today, I'm 86, so uh, in that period of time, you're going to see things that you want the way you want it. And uh, of all the things that I've changed, the snaffle bit is probably the most um, effective change that I've made in any piece of equipment. Yes, I have regular bits with, with black iron mouthpieces. That is to say, they have jaws on them, correction bits, if you want to call them, bits that create pressure when you 
when you uh, pull on the rein with a curb strap as opposed to a snaffle bit, which is just in the horse's mouth and uh, is a very forgiving way to ask the horse for directions and and for speed and for halting and all of the things that you ask a horse for with a uh, bit in his mouth. Um, the, the rings in my bit that I've designed, the snaffle bit, are slightly a D-shape, and there are D-shaped snaffles all over the world, most of which are straight out stainless steel because it's prettier. And that's why the cavalry loved it, because they have to clean them up every day for the sergeant to go through, and they get extra duty if they don't have a clean bit. So the stainless steel is nice for that. But the mouthpiece must, in my opinion, be black iron with inlaid copper. Mm-hmm. And black iron rust, as you said, too, which surprises people sometimes. Yeah, and they say, oh, they're rusty. You know, that's not good. Well, you ask your horse, and he'll say it's better. Yeah. Yeah. And the gauge, um, you tend to be a bigger around. Now, some people will go like, oh, isn't that that big gauge in their mouth something? Yeah, I've had so many people. um, I'm holding one here that's the smaller gauge of the two that I've designed. Um, I even have a thicker one. But people will look at it and say, oh, that's a big thing in his mouth. It's going to hurt. You think about it for a moment. What if we put a wire through his mouth? Ooh, that would hurt. It would cut right in. So the smaller gauge bits that you use are more punishing to the horse's mouth, tongue, and bars than the large gauge. And um, yes, you'd, I have two sizes because a small Arab horse would want the, the a little bit narrower gauge because they have such a tiny head and everything is tiny about them. But the quarter horse and most of the thoroughbreds, they much prefer the larger mouthpiece. It's more blunt. It doesn't dig into their tissues. Um, so you have to stop and, and, and be uh, very uh, discerning about this because the smaller the mouthpiece the more pressure there is in the horse's mouth, the more it hurts when you pull hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, concentrated on a smaller amount of flesh there, yeah. So what would you say to people who say, wow, Monty, why aren't you bitless altogether? You've got a dually halter, which has rings on both sides and can be used as a bitless bridle. Uh, but why do you recommend a snaffle with a young horse or even the horse that is uh, relearning or learning new new things um, and that we've talked about today. So tell me about the, it's not just a graduating from this to this to this necessarily based on training, but tell us a little bit about your philosophy of bits in the mouth. Well, one could say if you look back at my career that I was much better with a hackamore on a horse than I was when they went into the bits. I won more. I won two world championships in the Hackamore division on the same horse with the same Hackamore. That's never been done before. So I I suppose you could call that some sort of a highlight of my career. 
So I don't mind using alternative things. My dually halter becomes something you can ride with. That's okay. But then there becomes a time when, A, you might want to show in competition and you have to use the bit that's approved for that competition. So teaching the horse to be guided by uh, directions from the mouth is absolutely essential. And um, also, the hackamore, the reason that I won two world championships with this horse with this, in the hackamore that had never had a bit in his mouth was that he could take a lot of pressure on, on the hackamore and, and it didn't bother him. He'd just keep, keep working. Um, I called him not so bright about that because most horses will learn how to lean into the pressure of a nose band and and those things that you would use that are bit alternatives um so eventually as the horse becomes an adult you need to go on with him in the bit the horse that i'm telling you about that won the two world championships was sold for a lot of money and then was put in the bit and never won a thing for the rest of his life. So I don't know um, whether being in the hackamore that long was detrimental to him or not, but it didn't work to get him in the bit. But anyway, a bit is something that most people, and think about the amateur riders, using a, a nose band to do it requires a lot more technical skills in your hands than the bit does. And the bit should be as kind of an automatic transmission, if you will, that you can just pick up the left rein and guide the horse to go left and guide the horse to go right um, from the mouth so much easier than you can from the nose. It requires a good deal more ability and skill to to get a horse properly guided from the nose uh, or bands around the nose, any any kind of bitless bridle you want to talk about. Um, you know, you can ride a horse with just a rope around his neck, but only for so long. And then pretty soon he says, you know, I don't have to do this because you can just pull my neck all you want. Well, that's just another step in the business of eventually requiring a bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good. And we should describe, name name that horse that you won the two world championships in and describe a little bit about what that hackamore looked like because, you know, there's a lot of mechanical hackamore. There's a lot of different looking hackamores out there. Yeah, and this particular hackamore, which I preferred, stayed stiff and that's because it had a cable core inside of it. And then the rawhide that made up the hackamore was braided around the cable core. And um, that means you could come up to the chin. And what is the most important thing about any direction that you give a horse? It's release. The two factors in causing a horse to do anything you ask him to do is pressure and release. And the most important one of those is the release. And why is that? Because the horse is learning 
that if he does this willingly and quickly, bingo, he gets a release. So asking him to turn left or right is fine. You pick up the hackamore or the bit and you bump his chin with the hackamore or you touch his mouth with the bit and he goes left or right as you're guiding him. But what is he going to keep doing that all the time? Well, you just keep pulling and eventually he'll say, I'm not doing it. And he'll become what's called hard mouthed um, or hard nosed. And he will just say, to heck with you. I, I don't get any release. But if he's quick to respond and give you the direction you're asking for, and you release just as quickly as he does it, then he says to himself, that's what I want to do. I don't want to be pulled on. I'll do whatever he asks me. And then we have to be fair. You can't go out there and ride a horse all day long and just keep pulling and, and cantering and have him dead tired. Uh, you, you have to be judicious about the requests that you make of a horse. And, and that, that horse should be observed closely to see, is he fit enough to do this? Uh, is he willing to do this? Is he happy doing this? You know, you can make a horse do almost anything you want them to. And you get tough enough, you can make them do it. But that isn't the answer. It's causing the horse to want to do it. So let them have some fun with it. And let them stop a little before they're too tired uh, to enjoy it. And um, you'll find your horses much more uh, reasonable to ride than horses that have been tugged on and punished and overworked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a, a nice note to wrap up with. But I think we haven't said probably one of your more famous quotes, which is about the equipment, the most important piece of equipment that you use. Yeah. If you look in a tack room um, of a champion rider, and he's got 25, 30, I probably have 30 or 40 bits hanging up still at 86 years of age that I used, and some of them that are just precious old antique bits, you know, um, but you can go into a tack room and see bits and hackamores and halters and everything hanging up there. And then you ask yourself, what is the most important piece of, quip of equipment in this tack room? And most people will point to something they like. But in every case, it's the hands that hold it. That's the most important thing. And... Uh, the brain that uses those hands has to be judicious about how long to do it, how hard to do it, how often to do it, how seldom to do it. You have to really watch the horse's reactions and finally get him to want to do it. Then you're going to be a good horse trainer. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm coming to you now to talk about the Monty Roberts Online University. You know, 
There ought to be six months in everybody's life where they just live with their animals. I've been staying home. But three months now, I've been home with this virus thing. And the things I'm learning, we're bringing you a new series. What horses see, how horses see, and about horses seeing things. The online university is bringing you the last three years of my learning process, which I promise you is the learningest years I ever spent. The Monty Roberts Online University, uh, you won't miss a minute of it if you get started on it. I love bringing it to you, and it's my shot to take my concepts to the next generation. Leave this world a better place in mind. The magic in the language of the herd. John Paracha is Chief Executive Officer at American Harvest, Inc. He specializes in the purest CBD oil extracted from organic and conventional hemp grown in the U.S., Their proprietary process combines science with cutting-edge technology to produce the very best quality products. Also, Darren Egan is a trainer. Speaking for American Harvest, he's used the product for five years now. He's raced and trained at the highest level in the thoroughbred industry. Well, welcome. I am so happy to have both John Paracha, Chief Executive Officer, as we just said, very important person, and Darren Egan, trainer and a horse lover after my heart on that too, on having us on uh, this episode where we're going to introduce a new company in the United States called American Harvest, and we're excited to know a little bit more about them because guys, I'm really pretty ignorant about this whole product, and I'm excited to know more about horses and this product. So you're going to have to help me learn a little bit. Is that okay, John? That sounds great. Okay, great. Now, where are you, John? Are you in Montana right now? Uh, I'm in Sydney, Montana. Yes. Sydney, Montana. That is like left of Ocala where Darren is. Is that right? (laughs) Pretty far away. That is. We're right at the North Dakota border in eastern Montana. My goodness. Okay, so that's way up there. But is that very fertile, wonderful soil up there? Because you've chosen that place for growing. Actually, it is. Uh, We are in prime farmland. Uh, We have about 5 million acres of farmland uh, within two hours of our facility. And uh, some of the best crops are grown in Montana, including wheat. And uh, we are growing hemp in Montana. That's great. Well, I understand that you've, you've come from a pretty diverse business background. And I'm always fascinated by people who start companies or go in and and create companies out of something that wasn't formed a few years ago. I'd like to know, just from a a chief executive officer, CEO position, what's the philosophy of your company and and the reasons why you wanted to create a product for horses? So we are, uh, hemp is a brand new uh, agricultural crop for the U.S., Uh, It got uh, hemp and it got legalized uh, in uh, December of 2018 for the Farm Act. Uh, We took that opportunity to take that crop and produce wonderful products that are natural and promote sustainability and healthy alternatives for humans, animals, and the environment. So hemp has uh, diversified uses and uh, many people know CBD uh, and we produce CBD as part of our business and our CBD products are for humans as well as animals. And, mm-hmm. uh, and we're excited to bring that, uh, the same products for horses. 
Yeah, I mean, and what person has horses and doesn't have dogs? So I know you have dogs on there too, looking over your site. So I'm I'm learning, but um, the I mean, I think somebody who is new to this whole concept, like I am, and a lot of horse people, you know, we have our heads down and we're busy keeping our horses healthy. Maybe you can explain just top level now. What's the difference between cannabis, hemp, and marijuana? Well, um, let's let me put it this way. So hemp is the uh, same pl- plant uh, as marijuana. Uh, there are two types, cannabis sativa and cannabis indica. Okay. Hemp is the non-intoxicating plant. So okay. it has uh, little to no THC, uh, less than 0.3 THC is what hemp is. And uh, marijuana is uh, got a higher percentage of THC. And THC is the molecule that makes you uh, high or psychoactive. So you don't get high from hemp, but you do from marijuana. And that's probably the biggest difference. Okay, there we go. So that's the big elephant in the room that everybody wanted to ask is, (laughs) what are we feeding our horses here? (laughs) And so so you decided to, to do a hemp product. Is that because the hemp product is, you know, is that going to be something that is a future product for horses? I'm kind of curious about that. Um, it it yes. seems, yeah, it seems like it's a good protein base. And uh, we can get into this in another episode, I think, with your vet, because I want to ask him all these geeky, tw- techie questions about it. But, it, what you know, what was the philosophy behind it, growing hemp for horses? Well, we grow hemp for uh, humans as well as animals. And uh, actually, Darren came to me two years ago, and Darren has been using hemp and CBD for his horses for quite a while. And uh, he said to me, we need to develop a product for horses. And uh, uh, Darren is a a trainer uh, as well as a former jockey. And uh, we got together and developed some wonderful products for horses. Yeah, it sounds like you did. Darren, we know you from way back. You come from, um, well, some of your friends we even know from way back. Claire Conahan is a certified Monty Roberts instructor, and you have so much talent and ability, and you've been uh, across the the horse disciplines in the thoroughbred industry for sure. And I was dying to talk to you too about what drew you first to the hemp product. What? Okay, so what? somebody says, hey, somebody told me I should feed this to my horse. What's the why? Well, first of all, for me, um, I discovered CBD <clears throat> using it on myself. Okay. I've seen all these claims and all the scientific backing that um, it, it could be useful to, to relieve anxiety and stress, um, which I'm pretty sure everybody deals with at least a little bit of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I went ahead and I gave it a try. And lo and behold, you know, it, it, it definitely worked on me. So I said, uh, well, maybe this is something that could work on equines because I've seen it being promoted for dogs and cats, Mm. but not so much in the equine industry. So that's when I reached out to John. After doing some research, I figured out that horses, like humans, have an endocannabinoid system where they can produce and and, and use their their own cannabinoids and external cannabinoids to regulate the body and, and help the body work and function better. And so that's how I got started. Well, I love that. I love that you guys both come from a, a direction of wanting to, I think, not only feed horses a, a product that might help them in a high-stress 
job like thoroughbred industry, I don't care what part of the thoroughbred industry, if you're a horse or if you're in the backstretch community, it's a pretty high stress. I mean, it's a four in the morning till, you know, dinner time kind of job. I know that too. But I also, I'm curious about the focus part of the product too, Darren. What did you see in your horses that way? For me, what I can see the biggest benefit focus-wise is, you know, I work a lot with, with young, their, their yearlings when I get them. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the processes that I'll be putting them through will be the first time they'll ever go through it. Okay. Like taking a saddle, taking a rider, long lines, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just see from, from a day-to-day basis, they, they can learn, understand, and retain what I'm trying to teach them much mm-hmm. better, much more effectively um, than without. Yeah. Good. Good. I mean, that alone is worth everybody trying a product. This product is for, who's this product for? Is this some performance horse or do we have to worry about drug tests or is it really more for the training process? Um, It's for every horse. Every horse has an endocannabinoid system. So it it technically should work on all horses, uh, albeit some horses will have a slightly different action or effect in other horses mm-hmm. okay <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, no pro- debbie i no. will say that our products have zero percent thc and right. so it has no thc so it but it provides all the other cannabinoids that the natural plant uh Perfect. intended so uh, the hemp plant has over 100 cannabinoids uh and uh, they work synergistically when uh, a human or an animal takes that Okay. So, uh, to my question of, does it show up on a drug test? Does a performance horse have to worry about that in any different discipline? Do they test for that? And that's a problem. There was a case just recently in, in, in California, actually, where Hall of Fame trainer, Ron McAnally had mm. a horse test positive for CBD, um, almost a year and a half ago. Mm. And they re- they rescheduled CBD from a class class mm. A or class one to a class three drug where it's, it's, um, they don't see it as performance enhancing. It, it is a banned substance in some jurisdictions, not all. You would have to check mm-hmm. with that local jurisdiction for whatever competition or, or, um, events you're trying to compete in. Um, okay. yeah, so that's, Okay. Yeah, that's that's great. I, I mean, we all want to protect, you know, what everybody else is doing out there, but we also want sort of the industry to move on, don't we? We we want to find more natural products, uh, products that are uh, being grown in the U.S. so we know what's going on, too. I love that, that you uh, you probably fall under all the right categories of, of uh, certification for this, John. What do they require of you to prove for your product? Is there anything that um, is sort of like... Well, if you're doing it for people, that's that's about the highest level, I imagine. Yes. So we're doing it for people as well as for animals. Uh, we have built out our manufacturing facilities, uh, installed uh, top-notch equipment, all the latest equipment uh, we have. Uh, and uh, we've got all the certifications. Uh, one of them is the processing license that you need. Uh, we have that. Uh, we also manufacture to the highest standards. So you can be assured of the quality that we produce. Um, the other important thing that we've been able to do is we've partnered with Hubbard Feeds. Now, Hubbard Feeds is 
a subsidiary of Alltech, and you might be familiar with that company. Sure, Alltech yeah. uh, is is the leader in the animal supplement space. So mm-hmm. what we did uh, for our equine product, uh, we partnered with them. Uh, so we manufacture it together with Hubbard Feeds, and they also distribute uh, our products to their dealers, um, as well as online uh, at okay. the Alltech store. So we have uh, passed through some rigorous standards to bring our hemp-based products for equine to market. Well, that's great. Okay, so here's what we got for you guys. You were um, telling us that you know this is a new a new product, new company coming out. Well, you're a couple years now, I'm sure. 2018, I think. Is that right, John? That's correct. Yeah. So you and your farming partners, you've been growing and processing high-protein crops with hemp. And we decided that we thought the way that we'd like to see the story unfold here for us is we have three, let's call them two wild Mustangs and one grade Mustang because she was feral and probably the wildest of the three. And um, her name is Starlight. And then we have another Zephyra and another Zion. And we thought the best way for us to really understand, you know, how the product works across different horses is to take a representation. So we, um, we will tell you that we started feeding just a little over a week ago. We started feeding the um, the agreed upon uh, for their weight amount of product. And we're training that we're just getting to the point now where they're out of the gentling shoot now. One named Zion is two years old and he's a gelding now. And he was uh, subjected to a helicopter roundup. And the other, Zephyra, was actually his mother. And a wonderful lady was filming this process of the helicopter roundup. And she saw that the mother, through her lens, was separated from the baby, Zion, the boy. And um, as they went into different trucks, she suddenly went into action and found out where each one was going, went to the, the places where they were kept in the the holding pens and adopted them both with a little bit of effort and put them back together and put them out on uh, big fields up to Hatchapi, which is east of us here in central California. And it's a wonderful story, but it's not over yet. We're just getting to that point with the two of them, those two, that they're, um, they're, pretty chill now. They're getting pretty relaxed around people. Of course, Sapphira, who's now about seven, is a lot more skeptical of people because she should be. <laughs> and Zion is just a, you know, he's a two-year-old. As Darren would attest, he's, uh, you know, he's just a wild boy right now. Obviously not intact. They gelded him. But, um, and then the the third horse, Starlight, has gone through some horrific things. She was used as a roping horse. And when I say that, I don't mean that people roped off of her. They roped her. <laughs> and she doesn't trust people as far as, you know, I could throw them. And um, she has come a, a long way in the last few months that we've had her. But she's kind of at that same level now that both Zion and Sapphira are. So we're going to be using this supplement. And I want to tease people a little bit. This uh, this uh, story is going to unfold where we're going to be noticing differences. The one thing we noticed right away is that Starlight loves 
our American harvest hemp pellets. She she wants to climb in the little white box that they come in, you know. And I don't know about you, Darren, but the other two were a little skeptical at first. But once they've decided in their Mustangs, right, decided the taste was good, that they wanted to dive in. How do you find, Darren, the horses accepting the taste? Uh, well, with me, I, I top feed on on um, on top of grain when I when I feed my grain, so it it gets mixed in um, to the grain, and mm-hmm. I never have I've never had a horse not eat it. Good, good, I okay. Highly palatable. Yeah, they do. So that's one tick that box, John. It's re- the horses do enjoy it. it. You know, horses are funny with any new taste. They're called neophobic, according to my dad, Monty. <laughs> and neophobic means like, Mm-mm, I don't know what that is. And I'm not going to just jump in there without, you know, some skepticism. But once they learn that, you know, they get the taste rolled around in their mouth, they think it's pretty darn good. So, um, so we're excited about that, John. And we're happy that you supplied us a little bit that we can create that story with these three and we'll be putting uh, some information up on social media but we'd love to have you back too with your veteran of uh, your vet um dr silver i don't know that he's a veteran <laughs> veterinarian but um we'd like to hear a little bit more about you know some of the content of the the product too but darren you as a, a horse trainer and a horse gosh you've done everything in the horse industry i think um what do you think is the future of products like this? Is this something that we've been missing and that everybody should get onto in the future? I think I think hemp is going to be, you know, ten years down the line, the number one product used for for horses in in a number of ways. You can you can use it as bedding. Mm-hmm. You can use it as a as supplement for protein. You can use it as a supplement for fat. You can use it as a supplement for cannabinoids you know it's just it's a such a universal product and it's such a sustainable product where you know the the wood shavings which almost everybody now uses mm-hmm. um having a, a, a pretty big environmental impact yeah. number one you got to chop a tree down and, and and shred it to get the, the the shavings and number two is they don't decompose very well mm-hmm. and with hemp it does a wonderful job at that so i can see hemp being a, a major product in in the equine industry can yes. i have one one of each please can i have yes. a, can i have a, a, the bedding and can i have the fatting the fat product and can i just have one of each <laughs> yeah, and they've got the oil. We'd love to send you <laughs> yeah. and and that's interesting darren that you mentioned the bedding i i did try hemp bedding once one of the local stores here in ocala had a sample uh, got some samples in to, for local folks to try it because both of my horses don't do well on shavings. They don't like the dust. It makes them cough. Yeah. And I liked it a lot. It was so easy to clean. It was very absorbent. Didn't have a dust issue. So fascinating stuff. Does does American Harvest make other hemp products besides the supplements? Uh, yes, uh, we actually do. Uh, we use the whole plant. Uh, so CBD is one part of our business. Uh, we will be introducing uh, an animal bedding here in the first part of 2022. Um, and, uh, you know, the bedding uh, comes from the fiber part of the plant. And uh, we have uh, at our 33-acre hemp campus, uh, we have eight different buildings. Uh, and uh, each of the buildings is devoted to a, a particular part of the plant. 
and we produce different products there. How so, cool. I want to uh, take a tour. Is, <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Is definitely uh, in the one summer. of the items that we will be bringing to market. Well, that's Fantastic. so cool. Well, thanks, guys, for stopping by. And I'm, I'm genuinely looking forward to having you back along with the veterinarians so we can geek out on the veterinary aspects of these, yeah. these products in this company. And I'm also, I didn't know, this is a surprise to me, I didn't know about the story with the three Mustangs. This is going to be so cool. <laughs> I know. I'm excited about it, too. We'll have lots of photos on social media, too. So people and, you know, one thing that American Harvest is doing, too, you guys are having a monthly contest. So if people uh, want to get onto this, how do they how do they find you guys? What's the website? So uh, we have a free giveaway right now, uh, okay. free 90 day giveaway. Um, uh, you know, listeners can go on to our website. Uh, that's uh, ahihemp.com. And if you follow the link uh, for entering uh, for this contest, uh, we'll be announcing a lucky winner every month. Look so I that. encourage all the listeners to go in to our onto our site and enter their names. Fantastic. Okay. All right. You are the future. We're so excited about having you on and having you back. And uh, we will be talking to you soon. And good to hear from you, Darren. Thank you very much, Debbie. Great hearing from you, too. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say it's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of the Dear Monty, I'm looking for ideas on how to help a horse that is on stall rest and can only be hand-walked post-surgery. He gets so, quite understandably, full of energy that he gets explosive, which makes going for a quiet hand-walk challenging, to say the least, and I don't want him to injure himself or me. How can I help him calm his mind and body? Monty's answer. This is a situation met by many owners. Follow the advice of your veterinarian on substances you might use to help quiet him for an extent that he is safe for you to lead. There is never an easy answer, but a conversation with your vet might suggest that a tranquilizer is necessary. You might think this may be harmful, but I promise that a horse's hoof landing on your head is far more harmful. A good area with secure footing and good footing is very important. Walking in a straight line back and forth is generally a solution, and often there's a hallway or breezeway with reasonable footing or footing that can be made reasonable. And then walking where two walls is discourages bad behavior. That's a possibility. Schooling with the dually halter is an option if the need isn't already a factor. Studying my methods will find the use of the dually halter to be a safety measure practically unsurpassed. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in January. Let's go to January 2022. Amazing. On January 29, we're going to start with Horsemanship 101. That's a one-day course. A lot of fun. January 31 through February 2, we'll have the introductory course, Module 1. That's the first steps to Monty's methods. And then in February, we'll have February 3 through 5, we're going to do those modules. Introductory course, Module 2, which is join up. Then 7 through 9 of February will be the introductory course, Module 3, which is the long lining. 
with two lines. And then we'll have the 10th through 12th, the introductory course, Module 4, and that's prepping for those intro exams because we're going to have little instructors coming up with that little run there. And then February 14th through 18th, this is filling fast. February 14th through 18th is the Gentling Wild Horse course. That's five days. And then we have Amani's special training right after that, 21 through 25, because we're going to turn those Gentling Wild Horses into something that dad can work with on the 21st through the 25th of February. So then in March, we have the first of the year's Horse Sense and Healing, which is four through six, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So if you know any first responders, veterans, EMTs, trauma nurses, firemen, we have it all in here. Policemen, um, they need to be here if they're suffering at all from post-traumatic stress. Uh, and, and that is happening a lot around the nation. So think about those people that you might be able to send our way. It's free and it's really effective. Then March 8 through 10, we have our entry course of Module 1, which is the first steps to Monty Meth Monty's Methods. Then we're going to go into Module 2, the 15 through 17. That's join up. Module 3, 22 through 24 is the long lining. And then we're going to prep for those exams on March 29 through 31. Then getting into long term now, April 2022, we have introductory exams. So all those people that took all those modules should be ready at that point for the introductory exams. And that's April 4 through 8. And then we have a Horsemanship 101 to lighten it up. Just one day. We call that girlfriends weekend, or we call it mother, daughter, father, daughter. I never say sons in there, unfortunately. We should get some sons in there too. Horsemanship 101. And then April 22 through 24, we have our second horse sense and healing. And then on, uh, we have a gentling wild horse. See, I'm telling you, they're really popular. 20 through 29 of April, we'll have a gentling wild horse course again. Then May, we'll have our advanced exams. We'll have our um, instructor from Germany, Denise Heinlein, and all those people out there getting ready for your advanced exams, start looking at May 2 through 13 for those exams, and then May 16 through June 3 is an advanced course. So we'll have Denise over here from Germany, if they let her out. I don't know. Germany's kind of in lockdown, but that's our plan. And then June, way advanced planning, put June 6 through 10, Gentling Wild Horse course in your calendar. And then June 17 through 19, the movement 2022. And we we're going to be revealing our title for that this year. This is our fifth that we will have. And so we're getting excited about that. It will be Father's Day weekend. And then June 24th through 26th is another Horse Sense and Healing. There's a lot going on. Don't you think? <laughs> aren't, a, you, aren't we busy? That, that's impressive. a lot going on. You can find all of that and more at MontyRoberts.com. Phone number to contact, flag is up farm, the calendar, the uni, uh, shopping so you can get dually halters and other supplies. And I do believe you can even get a snaffle bit there. <laughs> there you That's go. Right. And for that details about today's show, go to horsemanshipradio.com. You're going to find links, photos, and more information about today's guests and topics. And we love your feedback. A great way to give us feedback is by doing it on social media. On Facebook, it's Monty Roberts, the one with a little blue check mark. And on Twitter, as well as Instagram, Monty underscore Roberts. And thank you very much for our title sponsor. Who are they? Hands on gloves. They're the best. I love them. And MontyRobertsUniversity.com. So please support those and us. Be sure to visit all the other great shows too on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. I love you listeners. And until next time, have many happy horse hours.